sticks and jugs and rock and roll. Hi, I'm Olivia Cassis, and thank you for joining the Jabber Jays podcast, where we jabber a lot. Today we have guest speakers Farrella, Andrea, and Reagan, and we'll be comparing the novels A Brave New World and 1984 with a Marxism's lens. But first, we're going to have a, few, a I'm sorry, we're going to have a summary of each book. So, with A Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, we have a society dependent on sex and drugs, and where we have emotional and physical relationships in our society, these all, this society depends on a physical relationship. Um, so much so that the government starts at a very young age embracing, telling these children, hey, sex, yeah, this is what you do. Um, on the dependency on drugs, the government has produced a drug called Soma, and it creates a, um, what they call a holiday. And it creates a feeling of numbness and to the point that they don't cope with any negative feelings they have or anything like that. Um, also, in this society, children aren't born through a, a normal birth process. They have something called a decanting room where they're um, basically fetuses. And they... I don't know how to explain it, Andrea. Can um, you explain it? Basically, they're grown in a test tube, like they're test tube babies. And adding on to that, um, the idea of section drugs controlling the society, there are also caste systems within it, making sure that each group of people does what it's supposed to. And how these caste systems are made is they're geneti genetically engineered in those test tubes. So, like for example, I believe it was the Epsilons will be deprived of oxygen to make sure their growth is stunted. And so it's just a very controlling society. So we're going to have the next summary now. Okay, so um, in 1984, the people follow the party and Big Brother. And so, like, the reader follows Winston as he commits thought crime on multiple accounts, runs into Julia, you know, gets a really close and tight relationship with Julia. You know, and then um, they join up with the Brotherhood, the rebellion group that's, like, against the party. And, uh, yeah, and then only to find out that uh, Mr. Carrington, whenever they go into a little place, they have a telescreen, they get caught. It's really bad. They freak out. And um, they go to the Ministry of Love afterwards. This, I'm sorry, this sounds like a little bit janky, but... Um, and basically have the rebellion beat out of them. And then, they're just kind of like, yeah, we were fools. We love Big Brother. And that's a really short summary of the book. Okay, it sounds like both of your books have a lot in common. And you talked about um, the government keeping control of their citizens. How exactly did they keep control? I feel like in A Brave New World, we definitely see that the government kept control of its citizens through SOMA and just uh, uh, definitely a manipulation of the heart and mind because um, they didn't really want them to think, so they gave them this drug that numbed out everything that made them feel awful and any sort of emotion any extreme sense that they had they 
they were like, oh my God, I, I don't know what to do. And then they were taking a gram or two grams or three grams. Mm-hmm. And then part of that control also stems from when they were children because I remember one part in the book, it was a, um, they were given shocks to discourage them from com- doing a certain action in order to keep them under that government's rule and to keep them from expanding their thought process. All right, so there was definitely a bit of fear in there too. Mm-hmm. In 1984, they um, mainly used fear manipulation. The fear coming in with the fact that anyone who committed any sort of thought crime or um, anything against the party, really, was taken to the Ministry of Love and or was never heard of again. Hmm. Um, And then the manipulation comes in with the massive amounts of propaganda and the constant thing of everyone's watching and you are constantly being watched. Hmm. So, like, if you have it fed into you, from the like kind of like with your kids um from the moment that they're born they're kind of conditioned in order to fit with whatever the society society wants like um the kids in 1984 are basically raised and trained to be like hey if you see something fishy you turn it in so then we can uh get that fishiness out of the society you're helping protect us and all of that so there's definitely fear and manipulation in mine as well so how people how did people interact with their governments? Were they compliant or? Um, people in A Brave New World were pretty compliant simply because they didn't know to think any differently. And even if they started towards that thinking process, they'd take their Selma and they'd just relax and it, they'd just go back to the mindset that the government wanted them to be in. The only area that you see that they weren't very compliant was in the Savage Reservation. Yeah. And I feel like they, Wow, definitely had some interesting techniques. Oh, I, I believe they were a bit more aware of their surroundings and what was going on, and that they realized what the government was doing wasn't right. That's why they were on a savage territory, was because something was wrong, and they didn't agree with what the government was doing. While the government was definitely mistreating them, they had a better take on reality. Mm-hmm. reacted to the government in my book uh, in a very cultish way and like that's how I've normally described it over the past few projects is that like this kind of like hero worship big brother and they see him as like this idol figure who's just protecting them and anyone that really goes up against them can't openly go up against them or so like you only see people not really liking big brother through implication but other than that, people just kind of, they worship him. And, like, the mere thought of Big Brother instantly calms them down or makes them, like, break down into prayer at one point. And uh, that's the overall feeling towards the government from the, uh, the society in 1984. So, jumping into societal comparisons, um, it's clear that both of your societies in each book have rules and regulations. So one of my questions would be, what were the sex policies in each book? Because I know that they were different. Well, in Brave New World, you you could basically be with whoever you wanted, and it was encouraged. They wanted you to have physical relationships all around. And the one of the characters in the book, Wanina, she actually, she'd been going with this one guy for over four months. And everyone saw it as weird. They were like, why are you still doing that? And so 
she went with some other guy, but basically relationships are encouraged so long as there aren't any emotions involved. Expanding on what Andrea said, I definitely feel like in a brave new world, sex was drawn to religion because the, at one point they were having an orgy and chanting like it was religious. And then in another point, which I think the three of us were talking about it in class one day, was the fact that after there was a riot, like they had an orgy as if to cleanse their soul from the sins that they had committed against the government. And I think that definitely explains how the sex policy is throughout that government. Sex policy. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I was asking what you thought. With your <laughs> it's okay. Um, sex policies over here in my book uh, is basically you get assigned a partner, and then you reproduce with them, but you're not to enjoy it. If you enjoy it too much, then that's it's too much of an emotional bond, and you might use that to go against Big Brother. So that's not allowed. And um, yeah, you only have sex with your partner. And you can't have any pleasure in it. You just go until it's done so then your partner can get pregnant. And you only do it whenever you're told to. Hmm. And um, in the book, uh, there's like a good about 30 pages just about Julia and Winston sneaking off so they don't get caught. So you definitely are, it's drilled in there that they're doing something they're not supposed to whenever they go and do that. And... If you were to break these rules and regulations, not just about um, sexual interactions, but about all of the rules and regulations that they had, what would be the punishments for the citizens? Um, the only punishment I could really fathom in Brave New World was they'd be sent off to a different, a different yeah. island, yeah, yeah, where and then there was no soma, and so it was highly discouraged. Just people in the society thought they couldn't live without their soma and they just die without it and oh how horrible which was really interesting because if nobody remembers there was a description about how it wasn't an addicting drug yet the way that it's portrayed it's very addicting and very like it consumes everybody's being like it, it's such a dependency that they feel as if it's the end of the world mm -hmm. The keys of the gun to the goy, the the gifts for the gay, from the guests of the gauge, from the gum of the guards for the gone to the gird, the the ginky to goo. Anyway, when you go to these different territories, you find out that although there isn't soma, thinking is actually encouraged there, and so new ideas are produced, and it's from what I can tell, it functions as a regular society to foster creativity. So it's almost as if they were exiled. Yes. Yes, that's what it's described yeah. as. It's but it's just not. Yeah. It's not actually exile, but it is. Yeah. It's one of those yeah, weird it is things. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So in my book, if you were to break any of the crimes or if the party thought you were just kind of suspicious, they would send in people and they would either, one, kill you on the spot, or two, drag you off to one, never be heard again, or two, to the Ministry of Love, so that they can torture you until you completely lose yourself, lose your mind, lose your values, and then they fill you up with Big Brother, propaganda, and the party. 
and that's the pretty general punishment. Uh, the Ministry of Love is very, very cool. It's not fun. Or you get shot. So that's the punishment. It's intense. Yeah, pretty it's black and white. Very brutal. Yeah. Does not seem like it's a happy no room for mistakes. No room. Which I mean, I think in our book, Bernard made a mistake, but then he like with mm-hmm. the director, and he was like, "Oh, really?" and pulled a skeleton out of his closet with his son. And when he was, oh, yeah, yeah okay, he was I called mm-hmm. father, and it like it broke him instantly yeah building uh when he did call him father that made me realize when i was reading it i thought the society was really fragile if it were to be broken by accusations being flung about that just struck me as odd for sure um what i find interesting too is that in this society where they they can't have kids or anything i don't they're just they're not even living they're just there to be there i feel like Mm -hmm. so uh I think that's the same with your society, Reagan. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, like, other than carrying out their jobs, they're just kind of existing. So it's definitely a post-apocalyptic world, in a sense. So moving on to the Marxism lens, how do you feel that these novels um, blend in with this lens? And which novel would you say works with it best? Um, as far as how Brave New World blends in, I think it's pretty seamless simply because you have like that overlord, or not necessarily overlord, but you have these rigid societal things in place to keep people from going too far out of it. And then on top of that, you, the leader of the society is called the controller, which like literally the controller. But yeah, with the Marxist lens, it's pretty complete simply because of the drugs and sex comparisons um with this too for sure i I don't think it's necessarily one's more so than the other but we have the marxism lens of for sure controlling and uh we have this idea that we have to do exactly what the government says Mm -hmm. or we're going to no longer be with our SOMO, we're not going to have any contact with anybody that we know and trust, but it, yeah, that's basically mm-hmm. what I see with this Marxism. Yes. It, it kind of takes on, I can't remember, Warsaw, like a Warsaw perspective, like they're, they're blocked off from everybody else, they only see what the government wants them to see, and mm-hmm. they're given a job based off of something. Based off of their genetics. genetics. Yes. And then, building off of that a little bit, is how um, the government made sure they couldn't read anything that would f- foster other thinking. Like, for example, Shakespeare was banned, and so they couldn't, fa- which was familial relationships, so they couldn't think anything past that. Okay, so Reagan, how is it in your society? Um, in mine, the government, I wouldn't say it was necessarily Marxism in mine, but there is definitely the controlling government access, like, little thing, because you couldn't do anything outside of the party without them knowing and eventually coming for you for it. So, like, it's definitely very controlling. Um, I'll agree with Farrella on a point. Like, I'm going to go ahead and take that one, that it was very tunnel vision. 
like you couldn't see anything outside of this because they wouldn't allow it or the idea of hey if you go against the government you're gonna lose your life in my case <laughs> but um i would say that mine was more totalitarianism because it, there was no mention of money really besides the party members they lived really good while everyone else kind of lived kind of bad yeah. but it wasn't built up on the economy it was built up on love the party love the party <laughs> so I would say the yearbook definitely fits into the lens better, but okay. you can't take it and put my book into it as well. Okay. So, for my final question, I was wondering about the endings of the book, because I know that the book was similar, but I'm... For the... To compare the endings of each book, I know that 1984... Um, had a defeat ending, and then um, A Brave New World had a suicide. So I was just wondering, how did that come about, and how did they differ? Well, for the suicide, what happened was this, from the Savage Reservation, someone was brought into the so-called higher society, and he did not take it well at all. But he just, it got to the point where he went nuts, he threw a fit in a hospital, it's we're led to believe he killed his mother like very strange and so after all this occurs he goes into his own form of exile at a lighthouse which i saw as a sort of temple for him to cleanse himself of anything that he deems pure or unholy which is the society that he was thrust into and however he's not left alone he's continually bothered and so rather than fit in with that society he liberates himself through death. I I, I agree with what Ray, uh, Andrea said. <laughs> Sounds like a defeat to me. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely was. It, it, I feel like in this point, we had a... Uh, because not, not all stories end in a happy... Mm-hmm. Like, we see usually, like, with books today, like, oh my goodness, this is what... It was great. It was... We were able to defeat definitely with the dystopian genre at least and this one was it just kind of throws you into the hey this is what a reality could be is that we could have a um we could have just where we're not great we're not okay we just we just kind of give up on life and um i feel like John's perspective of it was that there's no point in living. Nobody's going to be like me. So there's, so why not just, no one's going to see my perspective. Nobody's going to understand that perspective because of how closed-minded this society is. The gaze of the gunja, the gojo, the gifts for the gift from the guests of the gauge, from the gun, the gosh, for the gonsu, the gurs. That they can the go. In my book, the ending is brought along by Julia and Winston getting caught in Mr. Carrington's thing, and there's like a telescope behind the thing, and then they go to the Ministry of Love, 
And um, Winston undergoes a very drawn-out torture process where they, like, starve him, they drug him to make him feel nothing, and then, like, they make him feel something through the drugs. And, like, it's horrible. He's half dead. There's a point where, like, they psychologically break him by showing him, look at your scraggly body, you're missing teeth, you're white as heck, and um, you haven't seen the sun in at least three months. And you're starving, and you're ugly and gross, but don't worry, Big Brother loves you. And so, basically, they completely mentally, like, physiologically and physically break him down in order to fill him up with nothing but what they want to. And at the end, uh, Winston and Julia meet up, and they're like, yeah, I betrayed you, you know? They were torturing me, and then I said, no, no, go torture them, because I don't want the pain anymore. And, uh, yeah, so Winston, he takes a little walk, and he's, like, seeing all the propaganda, and he's like, wow... I was such a fool. I love Big Brother. This is great. And that's the ending. You can see that uh, completely the party has a full grasp on everybody. And there's no escaping it. Hmm. Let's now bring in a sociological lens into Brave New World. Are the citizens in the society happy? Why or why not? Yes, the citizens in Brave New World are happy simply because they don't know any better and they have Soma to keep them under control. This drug keeps them very compliant and oblivious to the controlling society they're actually in because whenever they're having a problem, they take Soma and so the problem goes away. How do casts or classes play a role in the story? The caste systems... In the story serve to keep the citizens happy in their lives because these people are taught from birth to love their caste and despise all the other ones. The secondary society or the reservation is a completely separate from the first one and it's polar opposite. I've, I look at this as like a secondary caste system slash society like you have the upper one and then you have the second one which has no structures or anything. But anyway, it's completely separate from the first one. And uh, you can clearly see the division between the two. Because the upper society has like free sexual expression and discourages um, like loyalty to one person in terms of, re- of relationships. Whereas in the second society, they prefer to have marriage and like the more traditional aspects of a relationship. Anyway, and you can really see this juxtaposition later on in the series, and we'll get into that in a minute. How is anything outside the normal behavior of the societal norms perceived? So basically, anything out of what is considered a normal behavior is perceived very negatively. And this is really evident in the lower society when the woman who is left behind, Linda, she's mistreated and abused because of her actions or beliefs regarding uh, sex. Because she believes it should be encouraged and not limited to to two partners. Conversely, the same treatment happens to John, which is her son, when he's brought to the so-called higher society. Because his views differ and he thinks marriage is the way to go and that you shouldn't be free with your body. But anyway, he is not necessarily abused, but highly looked down upon. How is power distributed in this society? In the society, power is determined, or at least the upper society, power is determined through birth and genetic engineering because you were born into your caste system and genetically engineered for that job. 
So either you're born with a genetic makeup of a power figure, which is would be an alpha, or you're born with no, into a lower genetic makeup, which would be, a, I believe, a beta. And I think they're the ones who have oxygen deprivation to stunt their growth and therefore render them capable of what's considered a lower job. And then the flip side of that is um, if you're born into the lower society, like you just, you don't have any power at all because they don't even bother to deal with you. Is there any room for change? Well, there does not seem to be any room for change simply because of how negatively John was received and his rejection also serves as a rejection of his ideals and change. So I'm gonna put two characters side by side and show how they represent the society. So I picked John and Lenina. And John and Lenina are on completely different sides of the economic spectrum because Lenina, I believe, is an alpha and John is, is nothing like he was in the reservation. And so he's powerless and more or less unremarkable. Um, what happens to them as a result? So during their interactions, or not their interactions, but in the society, they get treated completely differently. John is highly looked down upon because of his, of his ideals and is even called a savage, which is a detrimental term or slur towards him. This is because of his different and so-called outdated ideals. He is abused, or not necessarily abused, but he is mistreated verbally and in contrast, Lenina is seen as like the ideal woman or citizen because she's an alpha, she takes her soma, She's a model citizen, and also her status and demeanor are very good, and she agrees with the society completely. So basically, all this to say they're polar opposites. As a result, in their interaction, uh, since their products are their society, they repel each other like magnets. So even though Lenina wants to get close to him, she doesn't realize how to do that in terms of John's ideals of relationships and vice versa. John likes her, but he doesn't understand her way of society, and as a result, they pull away from each other and then they just, they don't work. And so in one of their final interactions, or two of their final interactions, I suppose, John turns violent towards her. And this is a direct representation of the rejection of his society and also how the society is never put together. And furthering this, John and Lenina's reactions or not interactions, but their interactions represent the societies they live in and the clashing of societies. Because you can see the warring of ideals and how one of them can't accept the other one. And yeah, and the fact that they can't even communicate properly or coexist because the ideals are simply too different and um, they just can't see the other side. Well, I just want to thank you guys for joining us. And it's obviously, I mean, I'm sorry, it's obvious that both of these books have a very emotional and traumatic toll. And they also sound like pretty good reads. So thank you for listening to Jabber J's podcast, and we'll see you next week. I would now like to thank our contributors, which would be the novel Brave New World by Aldous Huxley and 1984 by George George Orwell, as long as the various audios. Thank you for your contributions. That is all.